I hope that people will approach and engage her story as a student, allow her to be the teacher in her own lived experience and be willing to enter the story with the Holy Spirit to see how he might want to use her narrative to shape us. Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and our guest today is Renovare's content manager, Grace Pouch, and board member, Tina Dyer. I sat down with them and talked a little about what they learned from our latest book club book, The Narrative of Sojourner Truth. Born into slavery in 1797, abolitionist and activist Sojourner Truth would one day be noted by Smithsonian's magazine as one of the hundred most significant Americans of all time. Now, there's much to say about this remarkable woman and her many accomplishments, but we would be remiss to not explore her life of faith, a faith forged in the fire of unspeakable trauma and injustice, but in that fire was fashioned a deep union with God that has much to teach, a prophetic courage of steel. Her depth of life stands among the greats. I'm curious to know how you two discovered Sojourner Truth. I'm pretty sure Tina put her on my radar. We were working together on a project for Renovari, and we were looking for voices that we hadn't heard from before that we could share with people who have something beautiful to tell us about life with God. We were searching for people who were less familiar to most Christians in America. So we were looking for people of color and women, maybe just people that folks hadn't heard from before. And I think, didn't you tell me about her, Tina? Or didn't you say like, let's look at her? I appreciate you having that recall. That sounds familiar now. <laughs> As you were sharing, I was like, did I? And I'm remembering you were introducing me to people outside of the United States and voices that we haven't heard from. And I did feel we also need to include a voice from the United States, you know, in this era, you know, an older person that so I guess I did, but I hadn't remembered that until just now. <laughs> what about for you, Tina? Where'd you discover Sojourner? Oh, I've heard her name for a long time. I think about being in school and, you know, Black History Month, you might hear about Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman. And... In the last, I would say since 2015, I have just been desperate <laughs> to learn about my ancestral heritage and the stories that really have been hidden or marginalized or excluded. And what I'm really learning is that's been somewhat intentional. So it's made me very, I don't know what the word is, earnest to learn a lot of my education has I've been the only one or one of a few 
And I've been doing lots of learning from, I would say, from white voices. And in this season of my life, I am wanting to lean in and learn from uh, voices I haven't had access to for the majority of my education. Mm -hmm. How has her story impacted you two? I think one thing for me that um, stands out is that when I read her story, it was just like episode after episode of miracles of um, kind of blowing my mind and reminding me of what's possible when people partner with the Holy Spirit, when they're just like totally open. And she was so open to God working through her. So that's just, it's encouraging because it's, I can get really depressed about like the state of our world and um, violence and things like that, um, that I feel limited to address in any kind of meaningful way. But her story is a reminder that, you know, we don't address these things alone. We have this, the Holy Spirit with us. One episode that comes to mind just to, to bring that to life a little bit is this wonderful part of her narrative where she's at a camp meeting, like a tent revival. And this group of angry men come and threaten to like break up the revival. They're, they're against it and they're violent and they have clubs and fire. It's like a, a riot and everybody's hiding and cowering in the corner. And Sojourner, you know, just kind of, she shares that she had this thought like, why am I afraid? I have God with me. So she just goes out to this little hill in the middle of the property and she gets up on top of it and she starts singing a hymn and it just like diffuses the whole situation. Like these people are, they run around her and she thinks for a second they're going to attack her. And she says like, why did you come against me with these clubs? I'm just, I'm just singing a song about God. And, and then they're like, well, we want to hear you sing more. And she changes the whole situation. But she says, you know, she gives the credit to God. She says, it felt like the words were given to me to say just the right thing at the right time. It's always interesting to me how when you greet violence with peace, right, it just reveals. Coming after a woman on a hill singing a song. Right. <laughs> like it just shows the brutality, right? As, as many have stated. How about you, Tina? How's she impacted you? I, I really love that, Grace. Um, Sojourner has so many God encounters uh, that she shares. How her story has impacted me is I'm just uh, astounded by her, her brilliance. She is brilliant, highly intelligent, discerning, wise, and she was illiterate, and she was not educated through academia, but she was as brilliant as anyone who had that type of learning, or you know, maybe more so in some ways. And so I think that really just connects that in our society who we value as having an important voice that can be associated with you know, social status and power. And we can miss so much. And I, I just think that rings so true in our world today. 
you know, who we think is brilliant and bright and has something to offer. You know, I, I can think about I'm living in California, <laughs> you know, your new home of wildfires are us. <laughs> oh, no. Right. And it's interesting yeah. because I was watching some special talking about this emergence of wildfires in California. And it was very interesting that the Park Service and the Department of Forestry had the brilliant idea to build a collaboration with the indigenous people and to learn how they managed and navigated the land. Now they're in partnership with them. And I'm, you know, my thought is, wow, partnership, that's really arrogant in a way. We actually probably should be students of the people who responsibly stewarded the land for thousands of years. And so just whose voices do we see as wise having something to offer? I think that's one of the things. Right. Like, like PhD forestry folk, right. And going, ah, maybe others who have something to teach as well. Is that the tie? Yes. Yes. And what is it based on? It's based on lived experience. And that's what Sojourner's wisdom comes from, her lived experience with the living God. That's one of the ways she's impacted me to raise awareness around what makes someone credible, right? It's not status or power, but for those of us that follow Jesus, it's for those that live in a abiding relationship with him and choose to embody what he offers. So all of this would be great. But to your point, Grace, if she heard the voice and she didn't respond to it, there wouldn't have been the opportunity for the spirit to, you know, be made manifest. What makes her credible? What makes it credible is just like in the scripture, it talks about, you know, it's one of God's prophets. If what they prophesy comes true, you know, so there's so many occurrences in her life where she prays and she asks for wisdom. And when she senses the Spirit speak or provide direction, she acted upon that. And so, you know, the illustration of when she walked out of enslavement into freedom, you know, she was very clear about, you know, the agreement that, she and her enslaver had made. And when he reneged, she thought through that injustice. She had a conversation with the Lord about it. And I think I love that too. I love her just raw, hey, this isn't right. <laughs> now, God, you need to see about this. Do you not see this? So she's very raw conversation. And he gave her a vision um, or words came to mind for her. And she recognized this is the answer, and then she she walked in it. So her lived experience and willingness to put what she believed into action, that gives her credibility for me. I think you hit on something really important too right there, Tina, when you said the rawness. You know, she's in charge of telling us this story, and she's not telling us every detail of her life. So she's choosing really carefully what to share. And she could have just told us all the triumphs, you know, and and just like the hero moments. But she tells it so honestly. And I, Nate, I think you always say, 
in the tagline for this, like, it's a space for honest conversations about life with God. I mean, that's what this book is. That's what Sojourner did. You know, she mostly spoke, but this book is kind of like a, um, a written version of her testimony. But when she gave her testimony, she gave an honest version of it. And it's really raw. Um, she shares moments where she there were gaps in her understanding or she was wrestling with something. And then she'll kind of come back later and say like, man, looking back on that, it makes me shudder to think that I was doing this or that. But she tells it to us straight because I think she knows that that's the reality. Like our life with God is growing all the time and we don't just come out of the starting gate having all the answers and doing it all perfectly. So she's credible because she's honest. There it is. Yeah. I think I know you too well enough to know that you're both open to having potentially difficult conversations uh, about your experiences and about race. Um, and so what was that like for the two of you to, you know, explore Sojourner's life together? Well, um, Grace is a, she's a sweet friend and sister to me. And we met in our Renovari cohort experience. And when I came into that cohort, you know, you sign up almost a year before you actually start the program. So when I signed up for the program, I'm just in pursuit of a relationship with deeper friendship with Jesus. That's my purpose for stepping into it. But the world had shifted some. And so when we the program actually begins, I'm finding myself in a pretty vulnerable place. And I show up to my cohort, and I know this is not the experience for everyone, but as the only African-American in the group. And I began to think I might have misjudged <laughs> Holy Spirit's leading about that at the time. And so I was praying and really discerning if this would be the right situation for me. And I remember the Lord just saying, let's just get through tonight. And the very next morning at breakfast, I happened to be sitting diagonally from Grace, really thinking about if I was going to continue in the program. And one of the things I love about Grace is her um, direct, um, expressive commentary about whatever it is. And at breakfast, she was just <laughs> sharing some thoughts about questions she had, things that she couldn't make sense of with the scripture. And I remember listening to her and, and, you know, I just perked up and I really heard the spirit said, now just listen. And even though I was the only African-American in the group because of grace and other people in the program, I never had to bring up any of the discussion issues. I didn't have to be the one to advocate or are you aware of this or share my perspective because, and, you know, people were having those questions. And, and so it just was a great gift for me to just be, just to be Tina and for those conversations to be in the room and me not to be the person initiating them. And so I would say that led to us talking about a lot of different things. Is that experience like for you, Grace? There are too many awesome things about Tina to, to capture. 
um, right from the start, her friendship, um, like she was saying that when we met, um, I, her heart and her wisdom were a real gift to me. I definitely had the feeling right away that she was somebody who God could use to teach me and encourage me and expand my perspective. So coming to this book together and really to the whole project of the project we started working on to look for different voices that we might be able to learn from, I really had a sense of, I do not want to start this without her because there are just certain limitations to how I understand things based on where I'm from and my background and my cultural experience. So sure, I could come at it and I would get, uh, I mean, there's so many layers in Sojourner's narrative. Like I'm sure I would have gotten a lot of beautiful um, wisdom from it, but to read it together with Tina and to have her commentary, she was very gracious with me as I, you know, had my different comments and hypotheses and we just talked about them all and everything that she shared opened it up for me to see new layers. Nate, I wish I could find a more succinct way to share that I I tend to have too many words or I tend to feel, parts of me feel like I have too many words. What I really want to express is that I experienced grace as a person who had or was in the process of already exploring the injustices that she noticed and saw, and she was bold about bringing them forward, which meant that I experienced her as someone with a really open heart and a person that I could hear and I felt who could hear me without me having to manage myself in some way for her comfort. And that meant we could talk about all of life is how that felt for me. It's continued to be true. So we get to work on these different projects, but, you know, Grace is phenomenal. She's a phenomenal artist. She's just talented in so many ways. And so um, it's, it's meant the friendship could be, you know, deeper than the surface conversations about injustice and deeper than that particular topic. But that's because there was such an openness before. I hope that conveys my heart a little more clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea of, you know, us being intentional about doing our own work and being open and honest to enter conversation and advocate where we need to advocate. And, and then this friendship emerges, right? How would you like people to approach Sojourner's story? Oh, I love that question, Nate. You know, because there have been people that have studied her life for years, it's been their, you know, project, you know, maybe even their um, life study. And that's not my story. She's a new friend for me, you know, over a few years. And as I was talking to the Lord about approaching and engaging her story, I think there's something in our culture that says, you know, we need to be the expert or have some type of expertise. And the Holy Spirit's response to me was, Sojourner is the expert of her own story. <laughs> she is the authority. So I hope that people will approach and engage her story 
as a student, allow her to be the teacher in her own lived experience and be willing to enter the story with the Holy Spirit to see how he might want to use her narrative to shape us. That's good. Grace, any thoughts for you? Yeah, I think that usually the books we do in the Renovari Book Club are pretty meaty in the sense of length and um, rarely do we have a narrative. It's usually a work of nonfiction that's more of a conceptual type of book, um, sometimes devotional. But this is a real treat because this is a story and it's really short. It's only, how many pages is it, Tina? Like a hundred pages. So I think that one way we can approach it and that I hope people will approach it is um, to take advantage of the, the short length of it and the narrative style of it to really enjoy it and savor it. And like there's time, there's going to be space in the schedule to go back and reread things and to read really slowly. Uh, and there's something that actually Tina pointed out to me in the text that I'd like, I hope she'll say something about. Will you say something about the questions, Tina? Because I think that's just like such a beautiful opportunity there. I have been struck by the questions that she asks in her narrative. Questions to God, questions to community. And I have sat with the questions. Sometimes I can hold that question for a week. And what's been striking is how relevant this question that was published back in 1850 mm-hmm. is relevant in 2023. That's been shocking to me. And I, I don't want to jump into the, any of those questions because I want people to read them for themselves. I don't want to <laughs> bias you or I want, I want to let the Holy Spirit reveal them and lean into those, those questions. Is that what you're referring to, Grace? Yes. And I, I want you to jump into them, but I will respect your, I also like your idea of, of saving them for people. Uh, give me one. Give me one. Can I have one? It's okay if you don't want to give one. I can, but it's a hard one. I haven't actually, yes, I just recently spoke about it for the first time, but one of the questions is, um, what a way is this of treating human beings? And this is her recounting at the age of nine, being violently beaten until blood streamed down her back. A nine-year-old asking that question. And if we look around in our society, there's so many things. In situations where we could say, what a way is this of treating human beings? It's a question worthy of spending some time with, prayerfully. What is your hope for people to take away from Sojourner's work? I like to just go with what her intention was for writing her narrative. On page eight, she wrote, or the author wrote, she dictated. (laughs) It is hoped that the perusal of the following narrative may increase the sympathy that is felt for the suffering colored population of this country 
and inspire to renewed efforts for the liberation of all who are pining in bondage on the American soil. I love that piece of liberation for all, right? This isn't just about liberation for people of color, but for all, right? Does that fit, Grace, for you? Is there a liberation for you in her story? I definitely resonate with her introduction that Tina's referencing. And as Tina already said, it's shockingly still very current, the things that she talks about there. Um, and yes, liberation, she really points to the dissonance between all the talk we do about liberty and the reality of um, how we treat people. And yeah, that's something that's really heavy on my heart, how we still have not reached true love and opportunity and fair treatment of all people. I think you're onto something in your question too, Nate. You know, the connection that there is bondage for oppressed and oppressors. There's bondage in being enslaved, and there's bondage in being an enslaver. And I do think that the liberation for all, I think that tracks with her heart and how she lived. Mm -hmm. A bondage, when I turn away to the stories, I mean, that's mm -hmm. a historic and current. There's a loss when we refuse to be honest and hear those voices crying out, particularly when I approach it as a learner, right? That's what I'm hearing from both of you. And I think um, this is all framed by Sojourner. This isn't me tying it in a bow, um, but she absolutely puts this whole conversation, her understanding, everything she was able to accomplish inside of a framework of her spiritual formation, what God showed her, how God prompted her and empowered her. So another thing I hope people will take away from the book is, you know, we talk a lot at Renovari about spiritual formation and that it's a process. Um, you know, sometimes salvation gets presented as uh, this like automatic instant way of, of being Christ-like. And sometimes salvation gets presented as something that some prize you're going to get after your earthly death. And But we really try to emphasize at Renovari that salvation is a growing life with God and that it is the renovation of every part of our life, including our social dimension, um, how we interact with other people. And so I think Sojourner gives us that in a beautiful story and picture, a real honest picture of how that looks in somebody's life and how when we cooperate with that process, God can just do amazing things and really, really start to heal these issues that we're talking about. That's good. I want to thank you both for this conversation and I look forward to hearing more from the two of you in the book club. Thanks, Nate. Thank you, Nate. And that was Tina Dyer and Grace Pouch talking about Sojourner Truth, our next book club read. 
Of course, you can join us as we walk through this book together by visiting our website, renovare.org slash book club. It's renovare.org slash book club. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare podcast. I'm grateful for all of you who help make this work possible. You can support Renovare in this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars, online classes, as well as information on events in our institute on our website, renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends. Be well.